FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 402 of the podcast that goes nicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and um, we're going to talk about, as you hear me ripping open <laughs> my bags and boards here, um, a couple of issues of, of Wolverine-related comics, as we kind of continue to clear the runway for X of Swords, or sorry, uh, for Ten of Swords, because uh, you know X is Ten. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so we're going to talk about just a couple of things uh, to kind of get ready for that. Because coming up very, very soon, after this is eventually put out, will be the Crossing Swords crossover. And I'm much more prepared to talk about this time. Last time I kind of recorded for the moment and had to kind of rant. I was like, hey, I want to mention this. And then I had to kind of frantically search to make sure I said everything right. But now I'm ready to go. So the Crossing Swords uh, podcast is something that the uh, Homo Superior podcast was gracious enough to kind of organize and put together and includes members from these great podcasts, obviously, Homo Superior, the X Reads podcast, the Comic Book Queers, the House of X, and of course your own, uh, the podcast that goes nicked. So we're doing an alpha episode. Um, At the time I'm recording this, it'll be... In about a week's time, but by the time this comes out, they, they should only come out a few days apart. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, that should be coming out in the next couple of days. I'm very excited to participate in that uh, and talk about Ten of Swords with some other great X-Men podcasts. So really looking forward to that, and hopefully you are as well, and we'll be checking that out. Um, obviously, I'll, I'll retweet and post links to the episode once it's out from them, but we have some business to get to today, um, and, you know, to, to get ready for that, to make sure we're all caught up on the podcast that goes nicked, so that when we have the, the crossover, we'll be ready to go, and of course, we'll also, on our own episodes, continue to get great discussion from the Excaliburos, I know they're not as excited, you know, I'm kind of in the middle, right, um, kind of cautiously optimistic about Tendosaurus, but looking forward to participating in the crossover. I know the Excalibur guys are kind of like, do we have to read this? <laughs> I'm like, yes, ah, you must, waha! Um, so, so, so definitely be consulting them you know, as we go as well. But before we get to all of that, we've got just a few things to talk about. First up is going to be Wolverine number five. Blood work, or also blood clocks. Blood Clocks, like clocks made out of blood. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Victor Bogdanovich, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, designed by Tom Mueller, and the cover is by Adam Kubert and Frank Martin. And I think we may have our first nominee, our first Wolfie nominee for cover. Uh, I really, really like this cover. The color looks really cool. It's a lot of, it's really dark. Like dark reds, dark blacks, but it's basically a mass of bats. 
And in the middle of this mask, the bats make the shape of like a feigned Dracula face. It's very obscured in the shadow of the bats. Um, and they're kind of taking up the top two-thirds of the cover or so. Um, and then coming out of the bottom of that mask, upside down, is Wolverine. Claws out, he's slashing at some bats. Uh, it looks like he's cut some leathery wings there. And his feet are enveloped in the bats. Like in the mass of bats. So his feet, he's like kicking himself out. Or was running away and they knocked him over and now they're trying to grab him up by the feet. It's a very striking cover. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So we start off somewhere in Canada. We have Wolverine frozen in a block of ice. Remember at the end of issue 4, um, he was captured by that, that um, anti-mutant hate group uh, at his favorite watering hole where he was escaping to to get away from Krakoa and kind of his dis-ease there. And, but Omega Red caught up to him and basically plunged him into this frozen lake and held him down there. And so now they've got him in a big block of ice. And Omega Red has turned him over to the Dracula and the vampires. So I know Dracula's looking pretty spelt and healthy here. Not quite sure how he got from the last time we saw him in Avengers to this. I also, my Avenger, my J, no, it's really funny. Like Jason Aaron a lot in general, absolutely just adored his Thor run, which I just got to talk a little bit about on uh, the Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast with Al Sedano. Um, now, I put his Thor run, you know, all of it, like the whole swath of it, and one of my favorite comic runs, period. I'm just, I've had a lot of trouble staying engaged with his Avengers book. So my, my reading's been pretty spotty. So I know I read a story where, you know, there were some vampires and Blade joined the team and, and they took, I want to say they took the vampires to the country that often showed up in the, not this current volume of X-Force, but the pre- Dawn of X, X-Force, the, free, the pre-Hawks box. But anyway, uh, Dracula was very feeble and old and almost uh, falling apart. But now, now he's very, and he's still old, obviously. He's internal and immortal and whatever. So he's got long white hair, the pale skin, but he's looking uh, in pretty good shape. But anyway, so they have the block of frozen Wolverine, the Wolverine popsicle, if you will, a snicked sickle, if you will. Um... And they, they have that. And they have these machines. So so what they've done before is drinking Wolverine's blood to um, adapt some of its healing qualities. And what they're doing now is that they drill into the ice, into Wolverine, and get like a, a spigot of blood. And they put it in these dishes. And they... they connect these dishes to like their body suits or body armor or whatever and they call it the blood clocks and basically for a limited amount of time based on the volume of blood that they took this blood I guess gets infused into their system and through its healing qualities and Wolverine's healing blood um, they're able to withstand kind of what sunlight does to them so they essentially become daywalkers until these blood clocks run out. It's a really interesting idea. Not only like using Wolverine's blood, but also the machinery of it is really, really kind of interesting and unique and not something I've 
I would have thought of necessarily. So I really thought that was pretty cool. Then there's a um, a text piece chart about Wolverine's blood group. And it looks kind of cool and interesting. I won't lie. It's a little above my head as far as like blood types and science and stuff that I probably should know more about. I just really don't because it talks about types and distribution, which I'm guessing that means that's how many people have that blood type and then the ratio, which that makes sense, right? That's just a percentage. Um, and then I'm not really, I don't really know how they're tying that to Wolverine's blood chart, which shows like red blood cells, which I get, but then fucose and galactose and the N-acetyl, galactosamine and glucosamine, um, I don't really know how those play into types. I feel like he's trying to show, like, first he's trying to show, like, a relationship between Wolverine's blood and all these different types, and basically saying that he has, like, super blood. I mean, that's what I'm kind of taking from this, but I don't really know. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where we go. And then, uh, the U.S.-Canadian border are a group, a trio of vampires, so it's basically Dracula and two cohorts. And they get stopped at the border, and they want to look in the truck, and it's a bunch of meat, which are dead bodies. And they add the security border guy to the truck. They take, they both bite his neck at the same time from each side and throw him in the back. And then we go back to Canada, and there's a group, a trio of young rebel vampires. And they've heard about where Wolverine was being kept, so they're going to steal him. And so hijinks ensue as they unchain the block of ice. They put it in... I tell you what, it's some kind of sweat. It looks like like the drain pan that goes under your water heater. <laughs> but it's got like little sweat wheels on it. Um, and so they hook it up to some snowmobiles. And they vroom, 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 vroom away. And uh, so we basically have what looks like a Quentin Choir vampire. It's a skinny kid with a pink mohawk. And then... Two other teenagers, um, both slightly androgynous, so, you know, he, she, it, um, or he, shit, them, <laughs> he, she, them, um, whoever they are, they all get on their snowmobiles, and you notice one of them has a vampire suck bumper sticker, but, you know, that could just be a joke, like, aha, we suck your blood, but, you know, we'll find out eventually these kids don't really like being vampires. Uh, it was not a choice. They were turned kind of against their will, as a lot of people are, but instead of embracing it or giving in to it, they're trying to fight it. Well, we see um, they're not very careful with the ice. They, they hit some bumps and go over some gaps. And Wolverine's claws, which were extended when he froze, start to crack through the ice. And that's really all he needs to come busting out of the, the snicksicle and in a great panel of him jumping out of the ice. And then I'm like, oh crap. And he's like, take me somewhere. Actually, it says ride or die, which I hate repeating because I don't like that. But um, <laughs> then we go in, excuse me, to Minneapolis, which, um, an unfortunate timing, I think. So, so basically our, our vampire truck comes to Minneapolis and our two vampire assistants open up the back, and all the bodies have awoken as fresh vampires. And they're all like, where are we? Where are we? I don't know. I'm hungry. It hurts. And they basically say, hey, welcome to the city. Go feed. Now, to Percy's credit, this is just a town that's called Minneapolis, Canada, 
not that far apart. It's a short drive to get to a metropolitan city. It's kind of unfortunate because they go downtown, and currently downtown, that would be a lot of protesters. And if the statement is that the vampires are supposed to eat... I don't, what I don't think Percy's doing is making some kind of statement that the vampires are supposed to go eat all the protesters or the rioters or even the police. Like I don't I don't think there's any political statement intended here. I think Percy was just trying to say, hey, this is the biggest, closest city to where we were. We're going to go make an army of vampires, so go eat. Um, and, you know, I'm going to take that at face value. Um, so then we continue to see... The snowmobilers run away from Wolverine. He's chasing them from the snowy wilderness. He does catch up to him. He's about to kill him. They're like, no, no, no. We, we're not wanting to eat you. We wanted to rescue you. He's like, huh? He's like, you're vampires. But he, they point up and hanging from the tree are animal carcasses, which remind me a lot of like Supernatural. Uh, I don't know. You know, there were vampires and werewolves who were like trying to be good and live within society and so they had alternate means of feeding their their bloodlust that's kind of what this reminds me of these kids basically they don't want to be vampires anymore they were turned by dracula himself they're trying to satisfy their bloodlust with animals um and they were hoping that wolverine's blood might heal them and he's like i don't i don't think it will but if you know where the vampires are going we'll go get them um and he makes some giant wooden stakes and ties it up to the snowmobile. So it makes like these impalers on the snowmobiles. And a great full-page splash. Another Varum Wolverine leading. I guess they, they got a four snowmobile or one of the kids is... They made like a sidecar on one? We don't actually see. So we see three snowmobiles and a fourth head popping around Wolverine's snowmobile. They couldn't, no, they got four. On the next page we see it's four. Sorry, I forgot. Um, but yeah, they go riding into Minneapolis on their snowmobiles, and they're going to kill some vamps. And uh, the kids don't fare so well. Um, the vampires kind of massacre the kids, but then Wolverine goes after you know the female, the bald female vamp in a scene that you probably saw. If you're on Twitter much, this one was was uh, circulated a lot, uh, particularly the black and white version by the artist was uh, was showcasing it. Um, as we see the vampire with one of the kids' hearts in her hand, and Wolverine jumping from behind her from this fiery, hazy glow, and um, the snowmobile has like a buzzsaw injector, so the last remaining teenager is able to decapitate. Uh, the other vampire, and then of course Wolverine kills this one, but not before she gives some cryptic clues to the blood clock, and that they're not ready to go after Krakoa yet, or not ready for mutants yet, and that's why they left Wolverine behind, and only took a limited amount of blood, because they knew the X-Men would come looking, and they didn't want that confrontation, and so Wolverine says, well, time's up now, and he cuts through the blood clock into the vampire, kills her, burns them all, and then what promises to be the next chapter of the story is interrupted by... And I guess we'll have to wait and see what, what Tennis Sword's creation looks like, but 
it, this looks like Bifrost. Like, it's a rainbow bridge that sucks Wolverine away from the forest. And it's basically going to be our... Oh, wait. Here's our side... Our side... Um, side gig? That's not the word I'm looking for. Anyway. Our sidebar in the Ten of Swords. So press pause on the vampires. Rainbow lights. Ten of Swords. Then we'll come back to the vampires in a couple issues. Um... So, the end, the last page was kind of jarring. Um, it's a very kind of, we got to get here, so let's do it. But it doesn't really fit the story, and our story's not really over. We're literally taking a break from it. So, that part was kind of weird. Um, you know, I said everything I needed to say about Bogdanovich as, you know, uh, a Twitter presence last time. But I would say, you know, the art's really good. And the colors also look really good. Um, his art looks a little more like Capullo than I remember. I mean, there's always been that influence, I think, but there's some pretty Capullo-esque pages here, especially with the female vampire. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good book. It's a fun book. Um, I really liked the vampire rebel kids. I was kind of sad two of them died right off the bat. Um, I like the blood clock idea. If you have a Wolverine vampire story, I think this is about as good as it can be. So I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the art. Uh, the last page threw me for a loop. I knew it was coming. Or I knew something. So I knew we were going to get to Ten of Swords somehow. I guess I was kind of hoping this story would finish. And then we would just organically move into Ten of Swords. I know. High hopes. Or probably unjustified. But, um... Yeah, that's where we are. So, um... I'm going to give Wolverine number five a very fi a very high five out of six claws. Um, and we did that in pretty good time. This episode may be a little short. Um, so next up we have X-Force number 12, which is Path to Ten of Swords. Um, Deadly Alliance, or the Cerebro Sword. Also written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Balzadua. Colors by Guru FX. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, designed, of course, by Tom Mueller, and the cover by Dustin Weaver and Edgar Delgado, with production by Nick Russell. On the cover, we have a Krakoan gate looking at Moscow with our, our red-garbed soldiers and a big tank. And then all around the gate are X-Force. We have Beast, Jean Grey, Wolverine, Domino, Black Tom, and Colossus. Um, it's an okay cover. That's fine. Um, so, I guess after looking at Twitter and Facebook and some other things, I had a feeling that the guy at the end of issue 11 was um, Mikhail Rasputin. I guess everyone else just knew automatically. <laughs> so, congratulations to all of you. I was pretty sure, and I mentioned it you know, the last time we talked about it, but I needed the confirmation. But, but yes, it is. We get confirmation. It's, it's Mikhail uh, Rasputin, and he has Quentin Quire, and he takes him to Moscow, and that's when we find out that these, um, oh gosh, what are they called? It's not in the introduction to the front. The guy with the peacock mask. Anyway, we find out that they're in Moscow as well. Um, Beast gets this Krakoan tech to heal Sage and um, 
Sage sees the uh, Quentin Choir left a telekinetic or tele yeah telekinetic message kind of burned into the the sidewalk where by the gate that he was dragged through, and it says Mikhail, so he knows the Rasputin family pretty well. And Sage is like, oh, this is bad. Uh, and Zeno is the name of this group. Um, they've been using mutant like gene splicing. So they rebuild their Bane-type character, and then Mikhail shows up and says, no more secrets. Then we see Omega Red hunting in the woods. He's got like a rhinoceros moose <laughs> that he's hunting. And Beast and Black Tom subdue him with entangled vegetation. Um, Mikhail tra starts trashing the lab uh, back in Russia. He destroys the bodyguard confronts the leader and says, we need to work together, no more secrets. I know you hate mutants, and I don't hate mutants, but I hate Krakoa, but together we can destroy Krakoa, and then I can do what I want, you can do what you want, and it'll all be fine. But we have to trust each other. Then we go back to Colossus on his farm in the Savage Land. Beast and Wolverine show up to collect him, and Domino, he doesn't want to go. His girlfriend fights back, shoots Beast into the air, which was very nice. Um... And then Wolverine's very much like, snick, snicked, you gotta come with us, which, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if I like this part. It seems like Wolverine would try a little harder to just talk Colossus, to talk to him. Even if he's not talking him into coming, let's just talk to him. We talk to him here. He doesn't have to come back for questioning. I also don't like Beast profiling, but it's written in a way that he's very much a dick on purpose, and is obviously kind of I don't know. Maybe it's not that obvious. I don't know. Anyway, Colossus is like, calm down, girlfriend. I'll I'll be back. And so they go through the gate. And Beast has this idea. So he has everyone gathered at the gate. and has this idea of like this parade of shame. And he's going to walk Colossus through. And he says, if he's proven innocent, we'll do a parade of innocence. And Wolverine's like, no. And sucker punches Beast, which I thought was awesome. If I did not like him, like, being aggressive with Colossus, I really love him being like, this is not okay. And then he claws out, runs off the whole crowd. Which, there were some pretty hardy X-Men in that crowd. I don't know if they would all just run away. Like, Kid Cable, Quentin, Storm, Nightcrawler. They might be like, um, hold on. But no, everyone disperses. Wolverine runs like mad and says, get out of here! Um, and Colossus is like, this sucks, guys. And then we see uh, Mikhail presents the peacock guy with the Cerebro sword as kind of a offer of good faith. And he also says, um, I want you to do something with Quentin Quire's genetics. And then we find out that Jean Grey is supposed to telepathically um, interrogate Colossus and Omega Red. Um, you know, I understand they're wanting to talk to to Colossus, it is his brother that they're pursuing, but the whole idea, they're like, oh, every every Russian ex-character, I mean, why is it magic here? Is it because she wasn't on a farm? <laughs> like, she's been doing her new mutant thing, and they trust her more, but since Colossus didn't want to fight, he's not trusted? Um, I mean, Omega Red makes sense, right? I don't know why they're necessarily just, necessarily just assume, oh, he's Russian, Throw him in the interrogation, but they do. So, yeah, there's that. Um, the art's fine. The story's okay. Not really loving it, to be honest. I, I thought last issue, it kind of this this book kind of picked up a little bit. 
I don't know if it really did or not. Um, and we're definitely getting ready for Ten of Swords, right? We have the Cerebro Sword in full effect. Um, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to... It's going to be two out of six claws for me. Sorry, guys. Um, it's almost a three. It's, not, it's right on that edge of two and a three. But that's gonna kind of where we're going to end up for now. So, last up. I'm going to rescue the Escalabros. Um, we're going to have a lot to cover next time we meet. And they're not really enjoying this next book very much. Then we all enjoyed it. Well, all, all except Georgie enjoyed issue one. But then issue two and three has a mojo story, which none of us really wanted to talk about. So I'm going to talk about X-Factor two and three. Now, number two, special delivery or... Sweet number two, Mojoverse Sonata, XF3, OP45, Dance Macabre. Uh, written by Lee Williams, art by David Baudion, colors by Israel Silva, letters by VC Joe Carmania, designed by Tom Mueller, covered by Yvonne Chavrin. Um, this cover is just, I guess, a dark background with purple skulls, Aurora dancing in the out of her dress, come our X-Factor team, uh, which of course has Dokken in it. Um, I don't really like this cover, to be honest. I don't think it's very good. It's not, not to my taste. Um, Alright, so remember last time the X-Factor team rescued Aurora. Now we have a mysterious person with a package, and they're sneaking around Krakoa. Even Sage is asleep at her desk, so no one sees her, or sees them. And they go to the Boneyard, which is the X-Factor base. They drop the package off. Aurora finds it. She takes it inside. She sees her brother. They all greet her. They're happy to see her. Dawkins hints on her. Um, the Polaris opens the package. It's full of bloody remains. The werewolf's like looking at uh, amazing baby. Um, and they're like, oh, gross. And they, they look at it and they determine it's from the Mojoverse. And so that's where they're going to go. And Northstar is my reader perspective, because uh, Prodigy says, there's been a murder in the Mojoverse, that's where we go, and Northstar's like, sigh, <laughs> and I was like, Mojoverse, sigh, um, they get ready, they're gonna leave Amazing Baby the Warwolf with uh, Aurora, and everyone else is gonna get new costumes and go to the Mojoverse, um, and they do. And then Aurora watches them on the Mojoverse, because Krakoa now gets Mojoverse TV. Whatever. Um, Dokken gets kicked out um, through the screening process. So, so basically the Mojoverse is now like a bunch of, I don't know, like visual podcasts. They have followers and stuff instead of channels or whatever. Or maybe the channels are the... I don't really know. Um, Mojo shows up. I kind of lost interest. Dokken goes home. Our X-Factor heroes are thrown into these confrontations. Um, Kyle shows up, sees his husband on TV, and him and Aurora are going to watch it together. Um, this art's pretty good. Colors are pretty good. I did not like this story very much. So, two out of six claws for me. But I felt like three got a little better. So, we'll talk about that one as well. Um, uh, so, this is Death Spiral and or... Sweet number three, still dancing, or a celestial rondo. Um, 
I believe the exact same creative team. Uh, this cover is a little bit better. It's got Mojo in front of some floating screens with some X Factor or Krakoa PD like TV spots on it. Um, actually, it's not that good. Um, so I don't really care. Like Spiral shows up. I don't really care about the Mojo stuff. But there's a little bit better like character moments in this one. Um, Prodigy sees his old dead teammate. They're gonna do an autopsy. We meet. Uh, Shatterstar, who is happy, he says, but kind of drops hints that he wants X Factor to take. Uh, oh gosh, what's her name? I don't really know this character, but Windshear. Uh, oh gosh, does it say? No, because they, they came to the Mojo World to try to figure out. Because the identity was behind a paywall. Um, Wind Dancer, sorry, Sophia. Um, and they see a, the recording of her death, so I guess she agreed to have herself killed to raise her ratings? But there's something else going on here. And Shatterstar wants the X Factor team to figure it out. Uh, then the scene at home where Dawkins surprises Aurora. Um, it's a nice scene. He kind of hints on her, flirts with her, maybe uses his pheromones, and then eventually gets to ask her about, you know, what she was doing when she died, and she flooshes off. Um, that was a nice scene. Um, yeah, then we continue to see, um, X-Factor and Shatterstar and Mojo World is a really fun, colorful, like, rainbow cavern, rainbow crystal cavern. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and they see this guy, this mutant who is, like, making clones from Mojo World. Um, but they're blank slates, and Mojo kind of reprograms them, does whatever he wants to do. Um, but they do get the body, and they decide, you know what, we better get out of here before people come chasing us. And then again, we have, like, a table of... Not even really X-Factor characters. This is kind of weird. So it's Storm... Quanon, Domino, Gwenpool, and Mystique at the Tiki Bar on Krakoa. And they get sucked up by the rainbow light. They disappear. Um, Gwenpool's like, don't worry. It's just a tie-in. But then this time, they come back. Wolverine, we don't get the impression he necessarily comes back. They come back with a bunch of machine guns. And that's going to be our segue into Ten of Swords, but it's weird because there's not any X-Factor characters. So the art in this book is great. I thought the story was better. I enjoyed Shatterstar. I enjoyed some of the character moments. I really enjoyed the scene with Dokken and Aurora. So I'm going to give this a solid 3 out of 6 claws. Um, it's not as good as issue 1, much better than issue 2, because it took the Mojo concept and injected a little bit of... This, this is just kind of the setting and the backdrop now. It's not the story itself, which number 2 is very much Mojo World, the story, kind of. So... I thought this was better. So definitely uh, three out of six claws for X-Factor number three. So that is going to do it. So one more plug again for Crossing Swords, um, which will be you know a crossover with, with myself, Homo Superior Podcast, X-Reads, Comic Book Queers, and House of X. And then, of course, Excalibur will cover the event with me here on the podcast that goes snicked. 
and um, that'll all be coming to you very soon. But that's going to do it for this episode. We are a little, a little short, but that's okay. Um, it's just two o'clock, and I try to keep things at least 30 minutes when I can. Um, so we should be right around that mark. But um, anyway, I hope everyone is doing okay out there, guys. Please um, stay safe, stay well. I know life right now, especially if you have kids, or even if you don't, is full of really tough decisions, right? How to handle work, how to handle child care and education if you have kids, how to, you know, deal with your parents who might be at risk or what. I mean, we all have different things we're dealing with. I just, I, I hope that everyone has some semblance of, of support in those decisions, you know, whether it's other people or, or educating yourself or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I'm rambling now and I apologize. So my, my intent though is just, I really hope that everyone is safe and well and we'll talk again soon. So for the podcast that goes snicked, of course you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. Show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And that's going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. And snacked.